Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that brings you the most interesting content in InfoSec, technology, and humans. The idea is to curate around three to five hours of weekly reading into a 15 to 30 minute summary. The goal is to have you caught up on current events, tell you about the best content from around the web, and hopefully give you something to think about as well. You can get the companion newsletter with all the show notes and links at danielmesor.com newsletter. Okay, welcome to episode 67. I'm going to start with InfoSec. Tavis Ormandi of Project Zero discovered a major flaw in Cloudflare last week. It's been called Cloudbleed because all these vulns definitely need names, obviously. Best way to describe it is that Cloudflare was randomly injecting content from its protected sites into browsing sessions of other sites hosted on Cloudflare. So let's say they were protecting OkCupid, which they were. And if you're visiting any site hosted by Cloudflare, you might get random data from OkCupid injected into the page that you got back. So it wouldn't actually be visible to you, but it would come back in the response and uh, it would be possible to look at it if, if you look closely. Project Zero and Cloudflare worked together to fix the issues very quickly. So around the same time, a large number of Google users reported being mysteriously logged out of their accounts. This was like Thursday night. And it was concerning because the Cloudflare situation was, was happening basically at the same time. Google basically said that it did not have anything to do with Cloudflare though. And it was a maintenance issue on their side. Evidently they broke a bunch of sessions and uh, people just had to log back in but they said it was not related to Cloudflare. Google researchers have demonstrated for the first time a successful attack against SHA-1 by creating two different PDFs that produce the same SHA-1 hash. Contrary to what most of the media is saying though, it's not actually that big of a deal. At least it's not a very practical way to attack someone. Uh, this is Google with a team of people working for two years to produce this result. So it's not like you're going to get hit with it anytime soon. Hopefully you were already kind of looking for the exit with SHA-1 if you're not already on one of the other suites. And uh, if anything, this should just speed you up in that direction. Haven is IBM Watson for information security analysis. So people would think this is pretty cool, but then they should think twice because IBM Watson is actually replacing human jobs. And it'll be quite some time, I think, before this can replace, completely replace an InfoSec analyst. But this is designed to look at a whole bunch of security-related data and give some interesting results back. And the project is called Haven, like I said, similar to like Siri or... Alexa or whatever, but uh, pretty cool project. In the short term, I think that'll mostly be used to sort of augment security analysts and uh, free them up to do more interesting things, which is always positive. Sean Spicer has inspected his aides mobile phones for apps like Signal and Confide to make sure they weren't communicating with reporters. He then ordered them not to talk about the fact that he was checking for 
for these leaks. And that action, of course, leaked immediately. And this story that's linked here is actually to that leak. With its 88 new satellites, Planet is about to become the world's largest space surveillance company. Uh, there are a bunch of terrorists building drones, and uh, France is using trained eagles to counteract them. Basically, just to train them how to just fly out of the air and like attack the drone and disable it. Over half of InfoSec job openings take three to six months to fill and less than one quarter of applicants are qualified for the jobs that they're applying for. It is a good time to be an InfoSec. There's no question about that. A new covert data extraction technique has been developed by having malware blink a light on a computer and then a drone comes up through the window and monitors, watches the blinking. This is a very slow way to extract data, but what's cool is it doesn't require a network. It's just line of sight and drones allow you to get line of sight to places you wouldn't be able to get to normally. But when you're doing this sort of transfer, it's uh, definitely slow stuff. Netflix released a fascinating new tool called Stethoscope, which is a user-focused security recommendation system for employees. They keep on putting out some really cool software. Love what they're doing. Technology news. Nokia appears to be trying to do anything to stay alive, and they've relaunched their 3310 phone, uh, 3310 uh, model device. It's actually pretty cool looking. Um, they're, uh, I don't know, pill looking. It's got the little screen on the top. It's very legacy looking, very old style. But um, yeah, they relaunched that. And uh, evidently it's got crazy battery life, like 22 hours or something like that. And like a month on standby. Um, I, I think some people might buy them, but I, I just don't know how they're going to survive in a world of uh, smartphones when you've got massive screens. It just seems like a, a losing proposition, but we'll see. Wayne Mo is suing Uber, saying that an employee stole around 14,000 files from them and took them to Uber. And Wayne Mo is an alphabet company, a Google company, if you don't remember that mapping. But the content in the files allegedly led to innovations that have produced around half a billion dollars in revenue for Uber. So Waynemo is suing them. Facebook has open sourced Profit, a data science forecasting tool for Python and R. Google's about to start adding a fact-checked tag to certain stories and their results. This is part of an effort to counter fake news. Android Nougat was released in August of 2016, but fewer than 1% of devices are actually running it. Linode is evidently losing customers massively as a result of their repeated DDoS outages, and I'm about to be one of the customers that they're going to lose. Basically, uh, I'm in the Atlanta data center. This website is on the Atlanta data center, and... Uh, it goes down constantly. I mean, it's like at least, I don't know, it feels like once or twice a month. It goes down for quite a 
quite a long period of time. They seem to be unable to stop it. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going elsewhere. I'm, I'm going elsewhere for other reasons as well. Probably head over to AWS. Just want to keep my AWS skills up. So I'd probably be leaving anyway for that reason. But, uh, yeah, the DDoS stuff is just making it a no-brainer for me. Human news. Bruce Lee used to write letters to himself about authenticity and personal development. And now they've been released for the first time on Brain Pickings site, which is an awesome website, by the way. And uh, you can go and read all about him. Very, very cool stuff. The guy was just, I'm all about some Bruce Lee. Always have been. NASA found seven Earth-like planets last week, or they announced the discovery at least. And they are just a mere 40 light years away. So that is, if you're traveling at the speed of light, it will take you 40 years to get there. And at the present speeds, unfortunately, that we're able to travel, or even two or three times that speed, it would take us thousands and thousands of years to get there. But it is pretty close. So maybe we'll get some warp drive or something. Kim Jong-nam was killed by the VX nerve agent rubbed on his face by girls at the airport. This is a crazy story. Uh, very, I don't know, very spy show or spy movie type stuff. Um, there's some question of whether or not the girls even knew it was, uh, Poison? I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what to believe at this point about anything, let alone spy novel things that actually happen in real life. It's uh, interesting reading, though. And there's a bunch of jurisdictional issues right now with like who's going to uh, keep the suspects and all sorts of drama around it. But uh, looks like he was absolutely assassinated right in front of everyone by having liquid rubbed on his face, which was actually nerve gas. And by the way, I did the ABC training in the army, uh, one week class, or maybe it was two weeks. Can't remember, but a short class on, oh, NBC. Yeah. Nuclear, biological, and chemical, uh, weapons. And I have to tell you, VX nerve agent is no joke. Evidently, just a tiny amount of the stuff just rubbed on any skin. Uh, you start to have these massive seizures, uh, mus muscular seizures, which eventually stops you from breathing. So, uh, yeah, just a crazy story. Uh, I got a link here to some fantastic hand-drawn infographics by a woman by the name of Wendy McNaughton. Really cool stuff. I, I got an iPad Pro and the old Apple Pencil and everything just so I could do these kinds of drawings. And uh, hers are just fantastic. And Travel Press is reporting a massive drop in tourism to the United States. Not sure why that would be. All right, ideas. IQ and creativity in a post-work world. This is a post I wrote about how uh, in a post-work world, basically the only way we're going to be able to make money is as individuals because corporations will have fired most people 
and replace them with automation and AI and machine learning and robots. Pretty obvious stuff. This is not new at this point, especially if you've been listening to my stuff. But um, basically, this is saying the only way to make money in that kind of a world is to broadcast yourself, is to publicly put yourself out there and like kind of be like PewDiePie or whatever. Um, maybe less racist than him, but, but yeah, you, you basically have to, um, evangelize yourself, right? You've got to have your services that are available, make those available in a tech platform that can be parsed by computers. So you can match use, uh, users and jobs. Um, That never gets old. Um, so yeah, you have to have it be able to be parsed by, you know, the automated system, the platform that matches people to jobs. But in addition to that, you need to be able to get on camera. Likely, I think camera is going to be a big, big piece of it. Video. Um, you need to be able to get on there and uh, perform. Uh, market yourself and maybe it could be audio. Maybe it doesn't need to be camera, but uh, people who are good at being on camera or audio or whatever, they're going to have an advantage. Um, and it's going to be your singing. It's going to be your dancing. It's going to be telling jokes, doing commentary like PewDiePie or whatever. Um, but these are the things you have to do. And, uh, some of these things it, that won't apply, like, okay, you're a doctor, you're a nurse, or you're a uh, a law consultant, or you help people parse legal documents or whatever. Whatever your skills are, you have to broadcast them out there. You have to make them known to people. You have to make them known to the platforms, like, you know, the whatever the future LinkedIn is, because everyone is an Uber driver. They're an Uber driver for all of their apps. Everything you've ever done that's useful to someone else, it will be rated. It will have a, a reputation score. And that's how you will work. You will be sitting at a coffee shop and it'll be like, boom, do you want to edit this legal document? Boom. Do you want to tell jokes for an hour? Boom. Do you want to console this girl who just lost her boyfriend and she's in Japan and I understand you speak Japanese? and your empathy score is rated high enough or whatever. And just like an Uber driver, like swipes to accept or, or discard or whatever, or deny. That's exactly what we're going to do. So point of this post was IQ matters a lot. You, you need to be able to do lots of different things. You need to be very flexible and creativity. Obviously it matters, um, which is correlated with IQ, but it could be different. Um, but th this is the new economy this is the new post work world, which is actually still work. It's just completely different as we think of it now. Anyway, that's what that one's about. Uh, weaponized narrative is the new battle space. This is a cool piece I found talking about, you know, forget cyber attacks, forget, um, kinetic attacks and physical attacks or whatever weaponized narrative, you know, all the things that were said about Clinton, all the things that were said about 
whoever on the right, like your ability to create a narrative that is attractive and catchy and has all the right sort of notes and then put it out there and get people to adopt it and to retweet it and to, you know, spread it on Facebook and all these things. This is a weapon. This is something that can change, you know, the future. And I think we just saw that happen. So really cool piece. Weaponized narrative is the new battle space. Uh, next one, companies exist to serve customers, not to employ people. I was in a discussion with someone on Twitter. Um, I, I tweeted that out, just that single sentence. And they're like, no, that's not true because companies don't fire employees because then there would be no one to buy their stuff. And I'm like, um, companies don't do things today to prevent something that might happen in 20 years. They do things that are immediate. And if immediately firing all the humans and replacing them with AI machine learning, you know, robot drones or whatever, if that makes them more profit, makes them better for their customers, you know, makes them more effective, then that's exactly what they're going to do. Right? So that was what this piece was about. It's basically saying, look, companies are all about one quarter and one fiscal year outlooks and maybe three to five. They're not thinking about 20, 30 years in the future when after everything is robot run, there's nobody left to buy their stuff. That That's a very long-term problem. And that's not what businesses think about. They think about what's good for them. They think about what's good for them immediately. And uh, yeah, the long-term economic health of the population at large is not going to stop them from making more money next quarter. So that's what that one's about. You should have two different kinds of hiring interview. This one's pretty cool. Uh, basically a negative filter, which filters out like big rocks, like in your coffee filter. Um, and then after that, you have a, a positive filter, which only lets very few people through. And uh, premise of this piece is that when you do like whiteboard coding, whiteboard coding exercises, or you do like brain teasers, like how many jelly beans will fit in the whatever Volkswagen bus, um, you're actually trying to cheat and filter everyone out in in one move at the same time that you're selecting the best, right? So supposedly, if they don't get a good estimate of the number of jelly beans, then you've determined that they go in the discard pile um, and they don't go on, right? And if they get it right, then maybe they do go on and and uh, they don't go into discard pile. So they're trying to conflate these two things together. So the whole, whole point of this one is this needs to be two separate things. For the negative filtering, you need to have a checklist. And the checklist is like, do you know the fundamentals of whatever it is you're doing, sales or project management or development or security or whatever? Do you know the fundamentals? Have I talked to your previous employers? Are you good to work with? Whatever. Like it's a checklist and you could do this as a first tier of filtering. The second piece, you can't use a checklist because you have to switch into evolution versus design-based thinking. Now, what that means is design-based thinking 
is where this manager or the company thinks, I know the best questions. I know the best way to hire someone. I've got a great nose for this or whatever. I could always pick the winners and no one else is as good as I am. So they have this hubris and this, this arrogance and this um, bias that makes them really bad at hiring in most cases. So what happens is they apply this personal biased filter and they might get someone who's decent. Most times they get someone who's just kind of average or worse than average. And then um, they use some sort of cognitive dissonance and bias again to justify like what went wrong or whatever. Um, so you can't use a checklist for this, you, which is design thinking. What you have to do is, is you have to switch to evolution-based thinking. And that's where you try lots of different things <clears throat> and you select from that pool those that meet the criteria and the other ones fail. So this is like descent with modification combined with natural selection, right? So what, what you do is you say, here's what the work sample is going to look like. And you have to build that very carefully, but you have it last as long as you can. You have it be as realistic as you can. And you have a very, um, unbiased benchmark for what it means to succeed in this task. And you very evenly measure what, uh, what, what each person does and, and their score or however you're going to rate based on that requirement. And if three people make it through, then three people make it through and, you know, 28 didn't. And out of those three, you, you've got to, if you're picking just one, you've got to pick the one who, who did the best on it. And maybe you get other people to help determine how that looks because even then you could still have bias and be like, well, this guy was funnier. This one, guy, this girl went to the same school that I did or whatever. And now your bias enters back into it, but you have to be evolution minded here, right? Benefit from large numbers use an objective way of selecting the winner. And that is how you do your, your positive filtering, your, your second tier ultimate selection. Uh, whereas you use the checklist for the negative filtering in the beginning to just get the rocks out of the coffee grinder. So that's what that one's about. It's very similar to another post I did a while back called uh, design versus evolution based thinking and hiring. But um, yeah, so those were uh, the ideas for the week. And now uh, discovery, got a bunch of links here. This is cool stuff. Troy Hunt's analysis of the cloud bleed bug. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good write up. He usually does long, fairly detailed write ups. I don't think there was too much new information in there, but if you, want a primer and you're just not sure what's going on at all. I think it's a good resource. 20 security startups worth paying attention to this year. This is a uh, dark reading post. Uh, some really cool startups in there. Actually, a number of them are in my RSA summary list, which I just put together. And I actually just added some interesting vendors to that post. 
And uh, a lot of them are similar to the, the ones in this uh, post from Dark Reading. Analyzing botnets with Suricata and machine learning. That's pretty sick post. Uh, the list of sites affected by CloudBleed that was on GitHub by somebody. Uh, if you haven't read about the GPDR, which is uh, the um, European Data Privacy Law, um, I, I wrote a very short primer on that, like literally like five bullets or something, just for those who don't understand what it is. Uh, the big piece about it is if you're a foreign company and you're doing business in the EU and you lose uh, European personal data, you could be responsible for up to 4% of worldwide turnover, which I think is probably um, yearly profit or yearly margin. I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's yearly revenue. That's what I'm guessing it is. Turnover is probably revenue. And that's global, worldwide. Yeah, global turnover. So that, that could be a crap load of money, depending on how many records you lose and I think how they judge whether or not you were negligent or not. But uh, very serious. But GPDR is basically a unification, consolidation, and a simplification of all the different European data privacy laws. So pretty interesting piece of legislation. Evaluator is an open source tool for strategic information security risk assessment. It's based on the FAIR methodology. There's a uh, fantastic piece on the history of Trump, Putin, and uh, potential new Cold War. This thing is crazy long. It took me like, I don't know, half an hour, an hour to read but it was just a fantastic piece. It was like a small book, but really, really good. Mac OS Wi-Fi Cleaner, a tool by Rob Fuller, or as a lot of people know him, Mubix. Um, super cool guy, by the way. Um, wrote a tool to remove open wireless hotspots from Mac OS, which is pretty cool. It's almost like you want to put this in like a monthly cron job or something just for cleanup clean up around the house. Um, Amazon launched a new blog dedicated to AI, uh, a new project called payloads, all the things, a list of AppSec related attack payloads and uh, also reached out to the author and we are going to be including it in sec lists as well, which is super cool. And uh, a link to Google's API design guide and PURL, an API testing tool written in Python. That looks super fun. I have that tab open. I'm going to be testing it on a couple of APIs here shortly. And um, the ICS SCADA top 10 list. All right, continuing on with notes here. If I could do any university program today, I would do the philosophy, politics, and economics degree from Oxford. The more I read and the more I look at just what I would love to learn, philosophy, politics, and economics would just be the perfect mix for me. Like I would still be doing tech. I would still be doing lots of other stuff, art, infosec, like whatever. But those seem like just the fundamental things for understanding how the, uh, the, the world works. And evidently, this degree is is held by so many people at the in the elite of 
uh, Britain. So uh, fantastic. I actually have a link to an article there about it. I'm still reading Hamilton. It's like 34 hours of content or something like that. And I'm like three quarters of the way through. My next book after that will either be the Federalist Papers or this new one called Sapien, which I might jump to the top of the list. I'm going to be in London for a little bit in the middle of June. So if you're going to be in the area, we should get together. And I am thinking about doing a live Twitch stream of something I'm calling Office Hours, where people can hit me up on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, on Twitch, or whatever, and basically ask me anything on the topic of InfoSec. Um, I'm probably going to do the first session on my information security career guide. So basically, I'll, I'll go through each section. And while I'm going through it, anyone can ask any question, sort of have a dialogue. It'll be like a class basically on, on building an InfoSec career using that as the outline. And then, um, yeah. So if you're interested in seeing that, if you think it'd be useful, if, if, uh, you think I should do it, let me know on Twitter or via email or, you know, however else social media recommendation for this week, read history. I have learned so much about myself by reading the Hamilton biography. So I've actually been learning all about Hamilton, um, mostly Hamilton and Jefferson, but I've seen my own flaws in Hamilton and, and I've seen how they they've eaten him up and caused him to do some things that he should not have done. Probably got him killed literally. And Jefferson, I've seen some flaws in Jefferson that I think I could have as well or already have. And uh, I, I think they made him a worse person. And uh, I think it's fantastic that you can learn from other people's mistakes when you read. So it, it basically lets you have multiple lives. And, and live multiple lives and, and get the experience from all of them. So no matter how much you're reading, uh, you could probably benefit from reading more. So that's my recommendation for the week. This week's aphorism, never confuse movement with action by Ernest Hemingway. Have a good week. All right. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget that you can get the show notes for this episode including the links to everything mentioned in the companion newsletter at danielmiesler.com slash newsletter. And if you like the show, please share it with a friend or on social media. I'll see you next time.